0: On this episode, you're going to learn how multi-million crowdfunding campaigns are structured and scaled to deliver results. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned.
1: Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or fourfold.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, what you're about to listen to is an interview with the brains and the agency behind some of the biggest crowdfunding Kickstarter campaigns that have been run, basically. These guys have supported really, really big, big, big Kickstarter campaigns. We're talking about Lark, bunch of balloons, Myzen, Kitchenware, you name it. These guys generate millions um, on on Kickstarter, and if you recall the episode I had with Dam Dembski from Onbound Merino, they helped um, they helped him fundraise his, um, his 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 Kickstarter campaign. His target was um, or their team's target was thirty thousand dollars in pre sales and they hit $400,000 in pre-sales working with these guys. His name is called Roy Morgan, and um, the name of their agency is called evensis They have a team of marketers, designers, videographers, and analysts um, that just kill, you know, on, um, on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a preferred platform, although they also do um, Indiegogo. Onbound Merino um, launched on Indiegogo. Um on on this episode we we talk about a, a number of their Kickstarter campaigns structure and the fact that they you know they merged with a product development um company which has enabled them sort of um deliver a turnkey solution and, and what that means essentially is you could go to them with an idea and at the end of the ideation you're not only going to come up with a product, you're gonna come up with um with with a, with, with a Kickstarter campaign, um, video, the copy, the promotion, and you just, you know, you're, you're going to move your idea basically with their agency to a market, to a crowdfunding market. You're going to find, you know, potential supporters of, of your, your market. And I found that super important. Um, Mizen, um, which you talked about in, in this episode have raised Close to $10 million from multiple Kickstarter campaigns. Lark, another brand that, um, that hit 50,000. I witnessed this because I was on their list. They hit 50, their 50,000 crowdfunding targets in less than three minutes with these guys' help. Um, Bunch of Balloons raised 900,000, um, on Kickstarter. And, but more importantly, they, their product was the first Kickstarter, um, um, project to be featured on the Today program, Today Show. Good Morning America and several top tier publications. It was due to the innovation of, of the product, and the inventor has every credit there. But that being said, um, the the way it was marketed on on um, on Facebook was on, on Facebook was was most important. Was very very important for them to get that exposure and to raise the funds that got them um, got them the feature. So we talk about Facebook ads. Um, you know um, the Facebook ads strategy for um, launching crowdfunding campaigns. And um, yeah, it's, it's epic. Basically it's epic. We we also touch um, a bit on, um, you know, product development and we, we talk about, um, you know, post crowdfunding, what should e-commerce, you know, D2C e-commerce look like. Um, so most multi-million dollar Kickstarter campaigns basically are powered by this company, by by um by Roy Morgan's company, and um, not many people um, know about this. Um, this episode is a gem, if I have to say so. Um, literally, listen very carefully and take take notes yeah enjoy this show let me know what you think if you haven't subscribed to the show already subscribe um we're on all platforms spotify itunes any platform and um yeah we'll catch you on the other side have a terrific one cheers The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business by taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklyn and Non-None and choppies. Build your customer list, send emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash 2x x. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2x e commerce podcast for a full month trial. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the 2x e commerce podcast, the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. And I'm your host, Kune Campbell. And if you're looking to grow metrics such as conversions, Average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales. I look for the experts um, in in all of these aspects of growing an e-commerce business, and I bring them to the show. Speaking of which, I, um, I, yeah, our guest today, Roy, um, Roy Morgan, he is been recommended by two, three people because um, he he knows his his stuff in the crowdfunding space. He offers over 20 years experience in delivering digital marketing campaigns for entrepreneurs, startups, and tr- transforming companies. Now, now why is he here is just to take us through what it takes to launch a product, you know, through crowdfunding Becoming an e-commerce brand essentially finding that community through crowdfunding and then becoming an established brand or establishing that brand in e-commerce. I'm not going to babble too much, um, but if you remember on Bound Marino, um, he was the his agency basically was was the fire was the fire engine or was the engine behind um, you know that crowdfunding campaign which was super successful and he has been behind many many others. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Roy to the show. Welcome, Roy.
2: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, having me on the show and hopefully impart some wisdom on the crowd out there.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, so you are um, your founder and CEO of um, eventus Partners, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. Co-founder and president. Yep.
0: Okay. All right. Okay, cool. Do you want to talk about um, yourself and Inventus, you know, and um, we'll, we'll take you from there.
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, well, like I said, yeah, so co-founder, president of Inventus Partners. We are a full-service turnkey product launch company. Um, so what all those words mean is basically we can take your napkin sketch product idea and bring that product idea to market full service so we have an entire engineering team that can build it prototype it engineer it you know put it all together then we have studio where we can film it and photograph it and we have an entire marketing team that can help with the overall content strategy brand positioning of that product idea and innovation figure out what those features and benefits are and use crowdfunding as a litmus test and in terms of finding market validation for that idea and seeing if we can pre-sell enough units to whether it's fulfill an initial MOQ or actually build a brand and business around that and future SKUs that come out of it. And then we have our you know e-commerce team that continues to run marketing for products once they ship and deliver.
0: Okay, so it's a full turnkey solution, end to end. Where do we start? to do, do, Should we start out with people who have ideas? Um, Let's talk about ideas. Why do many ideas not come to fruition? What What is the the major holdback? Um, I can give you hundreds of examples from, from a personal standpoint, and as well as um, you know, from my from my circle. Um, why? What, what is the major you know drawback? And um, yeah, I'll be interested to to find out more.
2: I think you know, overall, humans don't like to fail. Um, and I think with bringing a product to market, there's there's certainly a lot of failures or a lot of learnings along the way. And I think people think it potentially costs more money than it does to bring a product to market, whether it be you know, an unbound merino or you know another product, whatever it may be. Um, but I think, you know, people all have ideas. We all have product ideas or innovations in our head or small little hacks that we do for our personal life to save us a minute here and there. Mm-hmm. And likely there's a million other people that could use that product or that hack to save their time or enjoy and have a better life. Um, so really it's a matter of, you know, thinking outside of the box, of course, uh, in terms of the innovation itself and really dedicating some time to it. I think, you know, during this pandemic, more people have been stuck at home and, you know, in their thoughts and bored, whatever it may be. But lots of innovation is now coming out of that that we're seeing. And we're working on some amazing innovation, not only on like the PPE side of things, but just innovations to, to cure boredom. Uh, just yesterday, we ended up launching a product called Stair Slide, which is basically a slide for kids to go down the staircase on. Yes. Yeah. And I know before it was just like I'd jump in a laundry basket when I was a kid and just fly down That's and you know exactly. break my face and do all those fun things. But this innovation truly came out of the pandemic in terms of hey, you know, my kids need something else to do and why not send them down a staircase safely. Um so we launched that innovation yesterday, and it's already done, you know, I think thirty-five thousand dollars in the first day in pre-sales, again, before the product has even been made. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I think there's an amazing opportunity cheaper than ever before to launch a product using kickstarter as a means of validating that idea and getting feedback from the consumers that are actually purchasing it it allows you to have a one on one conversation with your customer. Well, you just cannot really do that with an Amazon. Yes, you can do it with a, a Shopify, WooCommerce, whatever it may be, but these folks are not only buying the product but saying, Hey, it'd be cool if you did this or added this feature or changed that color or you know, whatever version two, three, four may be. These customers wanna have a say in potentially the, the direction of your company. Uh, mm-hmm. and that just you know hasn't happened before. And you know, since Kickstarter launched back in two thousand nine, you know, they've launched over 180 thousand successful products and raised, you know, capital of over five billion dollars now has transacted successfully through Kickstarter. So it's just an amazing platform to really launch and see if there is a, a crowd for your innovation.
0: Besides Kickstarter, are there any other platforms you you would um, you know um, recommend or use? Typically, yeah.
2: I mean, in terms of reward based crowdfunding, so physical products, I give you $100, you give me a product back. You know, there's really only two. I mean, Kickstarter and Indiegogo are the main two platforms out there. Uh, both have their pros and cons in terms of, you know, fees are pretty much the same uh, 5% for each, you know, site in terms of whatever you launch on there the, the platform takes a percentage uh, and then each one of them kind of has different back ends or front ends or marketing support lack of support uh, should i say for for either campaign that launches on their sites
0: which you prefer and why
2: uh kickstarter is definitely our preference uh, we see a much better return on our ad spend on their platform uh, the site's faster optimizes better uh, and that early adopter community truly lives on that site where they've got over 18 million people that have backed at least one project. And out of that, a third, about six and a half million folks have backed more than one project. Um, so for us, you know, we're always going after those super backers, if you will, the folks that are constantly investing into, you know, new innovative products and really are the, the tip, you know, of the spear in terms of early adopters wanting the product before you ever see it on the shelf of a retail store or an Amazon.
0: Okay, so you talked about the the slide you know the staircase slide, which you know um a lot of us just mumble together we 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 get um we we, we, we we could get a bucket and then you know put it down and you know slide down as kids our kids do that yeah um it's a how quickly do you do you prototype the idea, you know, what, what's, what will, what were your steps towards, um, you know, um, getting that prototype? Um, obviously you'd probably need a, an industrial designer, um, and you'd need to get a mold, I would think. Yeah. And so, so could you just break it down and, um, for, 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 for listeners?
2: Yeah, so on the product development side, uh, typically we go through about nine separate phases to bring a product to market in terms of a final prototype or a working prototype, whatever it may be. Something that's good enough that we can use, we can showcase, we can demonstrate, we can take photos of, you know, that it looks like it's ready to, to ship. Um, so first phase typically begins with just a patent search. Let's see if something out there already exists. Can we make it better? Can we license the patent? Or is this completely novel? which may be quite rare these days, just with the amount of patents that are out there. Um, but likely there, there may be an opportunity there. So really figuring out, has this been done before? If not, okay, let's figure out what the ergonomics of it are. Let's figure out the dimensions of a staircase, which are pretty much universal uh, around the world. So we know how you know tall a step is, how many steps can we get this piece of plastic on, Are they they going to sit on top of each other, you know, figuring out really kind of what does that look like? How many do we need per staircase? How many steps are on the average staircase in the world, you know, and figuring out all of that, you know, demand or what a customer is going to think about when they purchase this. Um, So from the initial phase of the prototyping and the building, then it completely can go over to the engineering team in terms of industrial design and what does that look like, you know, catting it out and doing the design work for it. And then potentially 3D printing, you know, a smaller version of it to be like, okay, the, you know, Stairs look like this. The slide looks like this. What does the railing look like? How high up does it go? How much weight can it support when it sits on top of each other? Does it matter if it's a wood staircase or a carpeted staircase? How is it going to grip? So there's so many different you know avenues that you even have to think of of a simple product like that, um, where you just have to design it correctly so that it can you know fit the most households. For this instance,
0: okay, you you obviously bring it to Kickstarter. You know, the, 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 you, you, you need to create, you, 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 have one prototype using Kickstarter. Um, what, what does the process look like from, um, from that, you know, prototype to, to bring in it to Kickstarter?
2: Yeah. So once the prototype's finished, congrats, you've made it a long way, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But once that's done, then it begins kind of the the storytelling and the branding and the content side of things. Like what Mm -hmm. what is the story we want to tell about this brand that we want to grow up? How did this innovation come to market? What was the the impetus of that aha moment? And I'm finally going to do it. Um, So really then, you know, we take the product and we film it. We do some photography. We get some actors, actresses, kids in this case, you know, to do all the photography for it, to showcase it and see that it's safe to use and your kids are having a lot of fun on it, you know, and all of that, you know, sort of thing. so they can put themselves in that position with, all oh, my kids would love this, right? Um, So once we we figure out all of that, then it's the positioning of who's going to buy this. What's our avatar look like? Uh, Likely it's, you know, moms and dads that have young kids, you know, probably between two and eight, maybe two and 10, depending on the weight that it can hold uh, in terms of, okay, now we we know where the avatar is. How do we talk to them? How do we engage them? What are they looking for? What are the questions that they're going to ask? How do we answer those questions for them? So really it begins that dialogue in terms of how we're telling that story and how we're checkmarking, you know, all. Of their, you know, questions that they may have about it. You know, in terms of solving all of those problems that they have. Uh, and once we do that, then it's really a matter of, okay, now we have to figure out the pricing on this. How are we going to ship it? What's the shipping cost? How are we going to package it? Are we doing bundles, one pack, two pack, three pack, four pack, whatever it may be? What's the weight? What's the shipping cost? Are we shipping internationally or are we only shipping domestically here in the States? Uh, you know, all of those questions have to be answered before we we launch it. And, you know, for the launch, before the launch is really where a lot of the marketing work gets done in terms of building up that buzz and building the crowd before you bring it to the crowdfunding site Um, you know this is not a field of dreams if you build it they will come moment crowdfunding truly takes a ton of marketing and a ton of support behind the scenes where much of it is done before the campaign ever launches to truly see what resonates with the crowd or the audience that you're going to be targeting what price are they willing to pay for it? What objections do they have about the product? We're solving all of those questions before we launch the campaign with pre-campaign marketing and lead generation to get folks into our funnel, educating them on it, testing price points for it, testing use cases for it, and, you know, gathering as much feedback from that early crowd as we can with our Facebook ads team, bringing them into our funnel, email drip sequence, getting them ready for the launch. So on launch day, we've got hundreds, if not thousands of supporters ready to back and pledge the campaign for the first time on launch day. So they're getting the best early bird pricing on that product.
0: Yeah. Um, the the founder of Live Watches, he came on the show. His name is Chaz um, a few episodes back. And he he said they had to build their email database, um, their pre-sale email database to about 10,000 um before they, they launched an um, on Kickstarter and you know once they did that um by by midday of um, of the first day of of their their launch um that they, raised that they, that hit you know um, the campaign targets it's it seems it, it 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 is very important. A lot of people don't seem to see that bit of um, a crowdfunding campaign. Now another thing I'm seeing on Facebook, speaking of Facebook is um, I found that not every brand that goes, um, on a Kickstarter campaign will promote via their, their official Facebook page. I've, I've noticed that, um, there'd be a, I don't know, awesome discovery, something like that, or, um, big tech, you know, names, general names that, you know, focus on, um, they're just niche names like general pages. Yep. Um, And I've noticed they're the ones, those pages seem to be at the forefront of the promotion of Novell products about to launch on Kickstarter. Um, Do you know, do you know why this is the case rather than the actual brand brand? why, why are these strategies employed, and do they sort of um, employ a multi-page strategy where you're running Facebook ads from you know multiple for from, from multiple you know pages or from multiple accounts to to um, increase the velocity?
2: Yeah, so we, we employ that. We started that years and years ago uh, in terms of setting up niche category, Facebook pages based on the innovation tech category that the product is in. You know, so best gadgets or top innovations or outdoor gadgets, you know, whatever it may be to align a little bit better with that consumer to be like, I understand you. You love the outdoors. You're going to love this outdoor product that we're advertising to you. And the reason also we use that is just because we have pre look lookalike audiences around multiple campaigns that we're running that we can do better targeting and traffic, you know, in terms of, you know, increased conversion rates on these campaigns with those different groups that we're targeting because we have audiences inside of those groups that just want camping gear, that just want fashion, that just want kitchen gadgets. Those folks engage at a much higher rate. So we employ, you know, advertising across multiple different Facebook ad pages because, The reason we many times we don't use the company's page is because it's not a branding exercise. We are not there because they're an unknown brand, likely. So the consumer is going to be like, why is X, Y, and Z camping targeting me, right? Or something like that, where it's more camping gadgets in this instance, again, I'll keep going down, uh, is going to convert a little bit better just because that they understand you in terms of, you know, instead of the brand name itself, it's actually more of a category or generic, you know, innovations um, that we can target those folks on. So yeah, likely you're you're seeing our ads because, you know, we're trying to target across, you know, understanding what those audiences look like, as well as the lookalike audiences that we've built up over the years in terms of who these consumers are and where they hang out online. We just see a better conversion rate on that.
0: Yeah, I get the longevity there because um, if for for an agency, the 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 longer you have that history, um, the more you're able to to take you know clients on and you know build build those assets. Essentially, they're, they're your assets. Okay, that makes sense. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Is your e-commerce store powered by Magento, BigCommerce, Commerce Cloud, WooCommerce, or a custom cat platform? Is it slow? Does it have too many fields or involves too many steps to complete a purchase? Enter Enter Bolt. 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 It's the fastest e-commerce checkout in the industry, period. Bolt loads 10x faster than native checkouts with an average checkout duration of just over 30 seconds. Bolt is mobile native with no scroll on mobile screens. It offers a zero fraud guarantee and has... Has 42% fewer fields and native checkouts. Bolt supports Stripe, Apple Pay, PayPal, and several more payment gateways and providers. Bolt helped luxury sunglasses brand Dita reduce checkout abandonment by 32%. Which resulted in a 50% conversion rate uplift. Don't lose customers at checkout. Use Bolt. Bolt is offering a completely free bottom of funnel checkout audit to 2x e commerce listeners. Head over to bolt.com forward slash 2x to get your free checkout audit now. That's Bolt.com forward slash 2x. Okay, you you touched briefly on pricing. And um, you know, another one of our guests who came in um from from a crowdfunding standpoint, you know, and, and they're they're fully e-commerce now. Um was like, okay, um, so he was the same guy, Chaz, who was like, um, selling watches, you know, um, selling a particular, you know, brand who was trying to launch it via, via crowdfunding and he wanted to get like family and friends. And most of his friends are like, most of his cycling bodies, you know, um, were Um, he, he reached out to most of the cycling body. So one of the bundles was like cycling gear, which had totally had nothing to do with the, with the watches he was, you know, um, selling via, via Kickstarter. Um, from, from your opinion, um, what is the most optimal way to bundle, um, products. So you, you know, you, you get a lot of support um, from Kickstarter. Is there any optimal number um, or um, is there any, you know, optimal combination? Do you throw, you know, um, goodies in to, to, to gain momentum? Because I see that as rather than a direct conversion rate optimization hack. It's more like, you know, increasing the motivation of people to want to support it. And there has to be some sort of formula um, towards, you know, optimally presenting those bundles and offers, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of that work actually gets done before the campaign ever launches. Mm -hmm. We're engaging the crowd and saying, Hey, you wanted this camping gadget. Great. Now you're in our sequence, and we start following up with you. And we're thinking of launching other products Maybe down the line, or with this one. So when you buy the tent, do you also want the LED light? Do you also want the you know camping gear, the you know metallic uh, silverware, uh, magnetic silverware, which we just did um, with Gosan, and then uh, do you want these other products? Like what what would be the perfect bundle if we were to continue to launch new SKUs? What would you be willing to back? So that's where we're getting their advice and their input on it. Actually asking for a one-on-one conversation of hey. You like camping stuff, great, so do we. These are the things we're thinking of launching. What do you like? And then we're also figuring out price points at that point, right? So in terms of pre-campaign, we're sending them to a landing page that may have multivariate testing of across different, you know, photographs, different benefits, different features, and different price points where we're saying, okay, you know, if the traffic's coming in and converting at the lower price point at a certain rate, what does it look like at the highest price point that we can get? Does it make sense to potentially launch the product at that high of a price point? Because our conversion rate will stay fairly close, um, given the product, you know where it's at, or what what features and benefits that we're uh, you know highlighting on the innovation itself. Um, so almost all of this work should be done before you ever launch a campaign, because you need to get the advice of okay. My customers like watches, like, but there's no way you would have known that they would have wanted cycling things unless it was a cycling watch, right? Like if it's just a general all-purpose watch, great. What else do these customers like? You know, where else do they hang out? Are they on, you know, Main Street or Wall Street? That's going to be a big difference in terms of how you target or how you build out future products, you know, around that, you know, hub and spoke model in terms of the, the innovation that you're launching the first time. What offshoots of that makes sense?
0: Yeah. Makes, makes, makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so going back to the listing again, videos, um, there are two categories of videos broad. This is really, really broad stroking and it's all, um, I found some videos are uh, led by the founder or founders, um, where they, 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 they give the narrative and others just have a voiceover, um, which is better And um, also, from a video standpoint, um, does the length of the video actually matter?
2: All right, so I'll work backwards. Uh, Length can matter. Uh, You know, there's, there's outliers on every single one of those points, right? So polygons, for instance, is a foldable measuring spoon that we did years ago. Um, pre campaign, we built up about 80,000 on that email list. We raised a million dollars for them. That campaign had no one talking in it, just subtitles, it was only 36 seconds long, and we still pre sold hundreds of thousands of units for them. Okay. Right? So then there's the the other ones where it's, yeah, it's a, it's a long drawn out eight minute movie kind of, you know, it just tells the story and you get engaged in the story. And maybe there is, you know, talking, maybe there isn't talking. Um, the majority of Kickstarter campaigns follow, or the video side, follow a, a similar path where they're two to three minutes, usually about the attention span that we may have these days. Um, Really product feature focused and then towards the end usually you'll see or feature the founders and kind of talk about what the money means in terms of supporting the campaign and how important it is to them Mm -hmm. and the reason we, they get broken up many times is because you want to be able to create that asset one time and not say Kickstarter in it every time because your campaign's only 30 or 45 days long. You want to be able to use that asset after the campaign is over. So many times that's going to be a, a feature, keystone piece in your e-commerce your Amazon, your Shopify, wherever it may be. And you don't want to say Kickstarter in it throughout because you're not on Kickstarter anymore. Like time has moved on, um, but you're still selling the innovation and everything that you put into the video obviously should still help in terms of selling and persuading a customer to, to purchase it. Um, but overall, most, most videos now are, you know, following a minute and a half to three minutes. Length does Doesn't necessarily matter. Most folks we see about 75% are finishing the video regardless of the length uh, in terms of watching it all the way through. And sometimes they're just ready to buy. They don't even watch the video, right? For those people that you've already educated in the pre-campaign, many of them don't watch the video or watch it to get further you know, approval of, yes, this is exactly what you said it's going to be. The video looks amazing. I'm in. Let me purchase it.
0: That's a very very valid point, especially in regards to the the fact that um, you know um, length you know do, doesn't necessarily you know m- you know matter the two to three minutes thing, and um, also given the fact that um, you can repurpose that video on other channels yep. to educate potential new customers. That's powerful. So, so they're like two takes, you know, there are two parts of that video, the, the product centric video. And then the, the second bit would be the, the Kickstarter, you know, um, you know, founder hit, story, yeah, yeah. founder story makes sense, makes a lot of sense. Now you just talked about the fact that um, for the polygon um, measuring um, spoon, um, you, 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 acquired 70,000 emails to raise a million Is there any math to so based on? Is there any math to calculate um, like a target? Like sometimes I I, I tell brands um, I work with that okay, we need to hit this number of emails for Black Friday for you to hit your Black Friday you know targets because this were the numbers last year. But from a crowdfunding standpoint, is it possible to say okay if we hit ten thousand emails? AOV is this much, we're going to raise this much. Is is, is it that formulatic, or if that's a, a word, can, can you put can that be. into something? Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, it can be, but again, this is crowdfunding. Um, mm-hmm. This is a different animal in terms of pre-purchasing a product that doesn't exist yet. This thing, you can't just go to the store and go buy, and you can't find it on Amazon yet. Um, so again, mindset is a little bit different, and again, the customer is also very different. These are early adopters. They're used to prototypes. They're used to, you know, innovations being in infant stages and maybe not working perfectly. You know, go back to look at, you know, Elon Musk's Cybertruck, you know, where he throws a rock right through the glass. He's like, hey, you know, it, it's not ready yet, but it will be and it will be perfect. Um, but going back to the math side of things, yeah, we we back into many times in terms of what funding numbers should be or at least setting a public facing funding goal based on the data that we're seeing. So let's say we acquired a hundred thousand email addresses pre campaign and we have an average conversion rate of three percent and an average order value of twenty dollars. You know, for those three thousand customers that come in with a twenty dollar, you know, boom, we've already, you know, hit what was that? 600000 maybe? That'd be quite a big, or $6,000, um, $60,000 in terms of funding. My math, it's, it's way too early. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So in terms of then that, that way we can figure out what is day one funding look like. And it's very critical in terms of the success of the overall campaign to hit your funding goal as quickly as possible to trigger the Kickstarter algorithm in terms of showing your product on the first page of Kickstarter, similar to a Google search results for your name or product, whatever it may be. Kickstarter is getting over a million unique visitors every single day. And those people know what Kickstarter is, likely they have an account or they're just browsing and shopping, even though Kickstarter says, you know, we're not a shopping website, but they are, they're there. They want to see what the newest innovations in tech are. Um, so it's critical to making sure that your project is on page one for hopefully the entire campaign, if you can maintain it, um, but at least, you know, very early on to show traction. That then also correlates back into consumer confidence into your campaign, right? No one wants to be the first person on the dance floor having a good time, right? But once there's a 100 people out there, everyone wants to join in and, you know, be a part of the party. Same thing with a crowdfunding campaign. You've got to get your early crowd there backing and supporting the campaign, showing that, Hey, there's only 10 early birds left, you know, pledge now move on with your day and forget about it. You know, so there's definitely a major sense of FOMO um, that we try and impart, obviously in our ads and our campaigns and our content that we're putting out there. But these campaigns are usually only active for 30 or 45 days. So likely you want to get the customer there, get them to back, get them to move on with their day. Uh, And Kickstarter is really good at, you know, showing that that fear of missing out very easily with the amount of funding, the amount of backers are, that are on a reward, the amount that are remaining and the amount of time that is left for you to pledge. And potentially this may be the only time that you see this product until it finally is on the store shelves, maybe in a year or two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes, makes a lot of sense. I mean, let's um, track back to, to, to presale, you know um, what the presale looks like. Um, over the last few, let's say the last five um, campaigns you've been involved in, um, how big have been the email list you, you've um, you've built for them for each of them on average?
2: Yeah, so you know what we're seeing now is acquiring a highly qualified, engaged buyer, um, you know, for an early adopter product, if you will. We're seeing you know acquisition costs anywhere between a $1 dollar and a dollar thirty. Um, usually in terms of getting that customer's email address or getting them into our funnel somehow, getting their feedback for it. Um, so based on that and then backing into our numbers in terms of the the funding totals that they need to achieve for their campaign or to place their their MOQ, it's, it's going to vary. But most campaigns, were trying to get at least, you know, five to 10,000 email addresses in our database before the campaign launches to give us, you know, enough statistical relevance of saying, hey, which one do you want to buy? Which price point works best? What features and benefits are you most excited about on this product? That at mm-hmm. least gives yeah. us, you know, some data early on to figure out how to pitch or pivot the campaign, you know, before we launch it. But Kickstarter is nice where we can actually make changes on the campaign page once it goes live. So if we're seeing that moms are engaging it more than dads, specifically for the stairs slide, we can make our photos change, you know, with more moms in those photos, or we can change our language on them to to be more mom language, you know, those sorts of things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're making adjustments daily on campaign pages based on the data and the targeting and the ads that we're seeing convert.
0: Thank God for Facebook. What about, so you, 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 you talked about some um, cost per lead, um, you know, being about, um, one to $1.2 with well, that amount to about 10 to 12, 10 to $15,000, um, for pre-sales in, in the face for Facebook spend, or do you see yourself spending a bit more? From the we, actually, we
2: actually spend less um, because we kind of have a virility engine built into our pre campaign landing pages. We're incentivizing people to share it with their audiences. Okay. Right. So then we just keep this flywheel going in terms of, hey, you like this. You probably have people that like this. So share it. And if your friends come in then you move up the line, you know, potentially you may get the product for free. You don't even have to back the campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a a high engagement level that we're going after in terms of getting our customers to to share it, send it, tweet it, like it, whatever it may be. They're getting points. They're moving up that VIP line. So potentially they may get the product for free or be one of the first hundred people to get the email notification that the campaign goes live. So they can get in there an hour ahead of everyone else in terms of getting those early bird rewards because of the work they put in before the campaign launched.
0: Mm, It's pretty clever. Do do you use a a custom built um, virality tool or um, do you use a third party one?
2: Um, we've tested with third party ones and then we've kind of, you know, molded together our own, you know, proprietary system of how we like to do things there, as well as, you know, with our drip campaigns, our messaging sequences, our email, you know, all of those things. Again, we've refined this now over the last nine years of running Kickstarter campaigns and over 2000 products. Now we've helped launch. Uh, we kind of know what works, what what engagement rates we're trying to look for and what innovations will truly, you know, spark uh, a lot of interest, not only from, Folks coming in and backing it, but from journalists writing about it and trying to get on national and publication media. In terms of the uh, the innovation itself,
0: yeah, I was going to talk. I was going to ask you about about that, but we'll, we'll push that push that out um, slightly um, later. Okay, what about? Um, you know, um, other channels. So we we talked about Facebook and Instagram and the Facebook advertising platform. Um, Are you seeing any traction on any other, you know, platforms um, other than um, Facebook for um, activating um, leads or um, early backers?
2: Yeah, so I mean, Facebook is certainly our main channel. Uh, Mm -hmm. It probably took dominance, predominance over Google probably four years ago now where we started spending more on Facebook over than Google. Um, We are picking back up much more spend now on YouTube than we ever had. Um, mm. And that's, that's usually because the videos are getting much better so we can actually run advertising through the video. So you're basically watching the Kickstarter video as an ad, if you're interested, you go to the campaign page and pledge and back it. <laughs> so we're actually increasing you know, our, our overall ad spend quite significantly now on YouTube, which is interesting because these products do take some explaining usually to understand it's not very few of them are you instantly get it. Um, because of the novelty and the newness of it, you're more like, oh, I didn't know I had that problem, but thank you for solving that problem for me after, a, you know, one or two minute explainer video on what this is and why they should back it. Um, so YouTube's definitely, you know, on the rise for us, but we're, we're constantly testing platforms from Snapchat to TikTok to you name it. You know, if, if Pinterest is actually, you know, an interesting one more on the e-commerce side, I think, you know, where we're seeing some good traction there for post crowdfunding success on the Pinterest side of things because of that engaged buyer audience that's on there. But, you know, our, ma- our main two channels, Google, YouTube, and Facebook.
0: Okay. You, you mentioned driving traffic to the Kickstarter campaign page. Um, how different is that from driving traffic to the pre-sales page? Um, I, I, I lost you there.
2: Yeah, so it depends on when the, if the campaign is active, right? We're typically not doing pre-campaign lead generation on YouTube because we don't have any assets yet except maybe some photos. Their video isn't done yet usually, right? They're still working on it because that's typically the last piece depending on timelines or if they have everything together for us. But otherwise, if we have photography and lifestyle shots and all of that, we can build out the landing page and we send traffic to that. Um, Tagging and you know um targeting in terms of pixeling the audiences, we can do that either through, you know, directly through an interstitial page, sending them into the Kickstarter campaign itself, or you know, coming into the landing page and then getting go somewhere. We like to simplify the path for them as much as possible. So just send them straight to the, the page because the Kickstarter campaign will page will have everything on it, as well as the actual pricing, shipping, and you know, more of the, the sales copy on it, where our landing page is more of a, a teaser of, you know. The who, why, and benefits of the the product itself, and not necessarily all the content where they can convert.
0: Okay, okay. What's the anatomy of a pre sales page? Would you would you put the video, um, or would you just put images? Um, obviously, you know, video is a, is a big, big asset to put together. Um, what, what kind of pre-sales pages landers are you seeing working really well? That's one question. second is, are there any data points like cell phone number, um, any, any data points beside email, like cell phone number you're collecting?
2: Yeah. So uh, in terms of the campaign pages, we're constantly changing our landing pages based on the data, heat tracking, analytics that we're seeing, right? So we're actually going through a big refresh right now on a lot of our pages. Um, but the mm-hmm. overall anatomy of them is make the product front and center. You know, you've got, that's that's what you're, you're there to buy, right? So clever, catchy headline, whatever it may be. Potentially the headline, you know, sits in front of the hero image, or if we can create a nice GIF where it's, you know, actual motion of it or the product's getting broken apart and you can see the the dynamics of it and the engineering of it, that seems to work pretty well as well, because again, you know, you're selling an early, you know, an early prototype of this thing. You've got to show and explain why and how it works better than the current thing that they may have. Um, then through the page, there's multiple different signup spots for email addresses typically is the, the main um, data point that we're trying to acquire. Um, photography benefit photography benefit you know all the way through the page and then there's more of that virality engine at the bottom in terms of hey you signed up great share it move up the line do this move up the line those sorts of things Um, but very clean you know and then if they sign up we're testing as well of sending them to a hey you just signed up for this cool innovation you can either go check out our cool innovation facebook page like that so you can see all the new stuff that's coming out here's a most recent blog of the top five products that we've just launched on Kickstarter, or you can go and back our top project, whatever it may be. So again, giving them kind of a path to go. Uh, and really we want customers to have an account on Kickstarter just because, you know, it's easier for us to then convert them into the future. So getting them over to Kickstarter, if they don't have an account, the problem with Kickstarter is there's no Facebook pixel implementation on their site, right? So we lose... We lose a lot of data there, but we figured out ways to, you know, kind of close the loop on traffic that comes in through our surveying technology that we have built out. But otherwise, we want them to have an account on there. We want them to be already signed in, have the mobile app, whatever it may be, so that when they see this launch, they can click, click, buy, on with their day, right? And they can do that within 10 seconds.
0: Okay. Can you insert a uh, pixel on an Indiegogo page?
2: Yeah. So uh, Indiegogo has built out that wonderful technology for all of us marketers to be able to put pixels on the campaign page itself and retarget traffic that comes to that page. Kickstarter does not yet.
0: Okay. Do you think they have it in the pipeline Kickstarter? Or?
2: We've, uh, our Facebook agency team uh, has been working with the Kickstarter engineering team for four years now, uh, working through that system. Uh, And it comes down to, I believe, more or less, and again, I'm not in many of those conversations anymore, but a privacy concern that Kickstarter has with consumers' data and their backers' data and whether or not it's getting passed through and those sorts of things. Because very early on, Kickstarter kind of didn't like agencies, you know, they wanted campaigns to fund naturally, they wanted it to be such a novel invention that people would just find it organically, and they would come in and back it and you wouldn't need to advertise, you know, and those sorts of things. And finally, over the last five or six years of working with our agency, you know, being a Kickstarter expert has certainly helped, because, you know, we take data very seriously in terms of who we're working with and the traffic that's coming through into it. Um, But we've had to build our own systems, you know, to Optimize our campaigns better and provide a better service for our clients.
0: Mm. Rainbow and unicorn um, expectation from Kickstarter to just let things organically take, take place. Yeah, okay, Very
2: cool. that'd be wonderful.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so you said you're not part of the Facebook team. Um, so, where do you focus eighty percent of your time now in um, in the whole crowdfunding thing?
2: Yeah, certainly uh do a lot of speaking, you know, engagements in that in terms of talking mm-hmm. about crowdfunding. You know, again, it's still mm-hmm. in its infancy, so there's still an education that needs to to happen, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like the the steward of being a king of crowdfunding, if you will. Uh and really it's more or less, you know, future in terms of where are we going? Where's this industry headed? How are consumers changing their shopping behaviors now in the future? What might that look like? Um and really Lighting a fire under inventors, you know, bums uh, to launch those innovations that they're sitting on, you know, because Mm -hmm. everybody has those product ideas. So really, it's more of, you know, being an inspirational torchbearer for the entrepreneur and inventor community to bring these innovations to market because, you know, there's a lot of great inventions out there, but, you know, whether they have the capital or not. You know, I'm working on trying to, you know, bring more inventions to, to market and then kind of figure out where, where the future of marketing is, where the future of our company goes. You know, it was four years ago we merged with Inventus, uh, the product development firm, to be a turnkey product launch company. Okay. Because we had so many customers coming to us because we were just the marketing agency, and the the magical hand behind all the million dollar campaigns on Kickstarter, we saw a need in the inventor community of saying hey it'd be great if you could also build our thing and we were just referring all of that business out saying hey we can't build it but come back to us when it's ready and it was such a a mutual you know agreement based on what inventus product development company and what my agency command partners was doing to really come together and be the one-stop shop for an inventor to truly bring their product to market, do it more cost efficiently, and use every room in the building with all of the experts that we have, because Inventus have been doing product development for 20 years. You know, we have factories, we have engineering teams, we have all of the 3D printers and laser jets and water jets and engineering to basically build these things. And this is exactly what a Kickstarter inventor needs is just, hey, here's my invention. What do you think of it? Oh, it Thanks, looks doctor. great. Yeah. Maybe we can share in on that. Maybe let's do a joint venture together and I'll do, you know, put my sweat equity into building this thing and we launch it together and build a brand around it. So we're doing that a lot more in terms of working with whether it be Amazon sellers, you know, where they want to launch their own brands and, you know, launch their own products instead of reselling everything else that's on Alibaba or whatever it may be. Uh, or it's working with the uh, the garage tinkerer and finally, you know, bringing that prototype to market. So, you know, really, I'm just trying to find as many inventors as I can, bring them into the fold, educate them on why crowdfunding, you know, is is the future of, you know, direct to consumer
0: it is it is it is um and what what I'm also saying is um you know how so you know how like brands use content marketing uh when I mean content marketing it could be a youtube channel, it could be you know um, a, an active instagram social media community to build an audience and then um they pretty much sell to that audience and they create lookalikes off the back of it. I'm seeing brands also take another route where they are building these audiences um, with product launches. So um, they're not necessarily new um, brands, but they're they're, they're using product launches to create new audiences, to engage your audience. And they're just cycling it, you know, from that perspective. So it's more like a product led way of building audiences um, rather than just creating content or, you know, um, yeah. Or, you know, using social media, essentially. Um, I've seen a brand that has launched five Kickstarter campaigns. Um, the first one um, was like 200 grand and every other one was over a million, you know, um, and they're, they're getting new customers off the back of every, you know, new launch and building the their, their business, you know, off the back of that. Um, so in, in regards to, you um, the you know what you're doing um do you have like an active you know community of um of inventors or you know um people with product ideas um you're not now now um, or an incubator of sorts
2: absolutely yeah so it was actually a a sister company or a sub company under Inventus before we got there called edison nation which is okay. basically 150,000 inventors around the world and they submit their product ideas in. Uh, Edison Nation reviews their product ideas and sees if it's something that they want to partner with or do a licensing deal or whatever it may be. Uh, we ended up helping out with their Regulation A uh, equity crowdfunding campaign that they ran a few years ago before helping them go public on the stock market now. Um, and there is you know, a massive community there uh, in terms of, you know, just the inventors as well. Plus, we have, you know, multiple pages where people follow to, to be inventors or engage with us. Uh, we're even running, you know, like shark tanks internally in our building to get, you know, our employees engaged in terms of, hey, I'm sure you guys have product ideas. Let's launch something that you guys have, you know, an interest in. So we've done that before in terms of, you know, Finding an innovation inside of our building, running a successful crowdfunding campaign, getting our first thousand customers for it, making the thing, and then now selling it on Amazon. And, you know, we're trying to continue that flywheel in terms of more engagement and just keeping that going. Because, yeah, we've worked with many, many founders on Kickstarter that have launched, you know, half a dozen, a dozen campaigns with us. Uh, you know, most recently, Adrian Solgard uh, built a massive, you know, travel community around his products. And then the pandemic hit and nobody was traveling. So he pivoted very quickly to launch a home product uh, called Home Base, And we ended up doing that campaign using that crowd that he had built and said, hey, you know, I think this is something that you guys would love at home now. And, you know, we pre-sold $600,000 worth of units for it not only off of his crowd, but finding new audiences that he can go into future, you know, verticals with in terms of at home products when nobody's traveling. So really it's, it it allows you to test all of these things all while making revenue for them and building the crowd that you then own to continue to re-engage with and then build more and more content around.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That, That makes a lot of sense. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made the first purchase, how do you keep them coming back again? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chubbies, Brooklyn Inn and Living Proof use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat customers or sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less dependent on third-party ads. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. It's free to get started. So visit klaviyo.com2x to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash 2X. How many JVs are you actively, have you actively um, secured um, from, your, from your portfolio of clients? You said you've launched over two thousand products in the last, um, you know, nine years. So, so how many of, the, of those two thousand products are JVs? Uh,
2: handfuls. Uh, again, each startup's in a different position, right? So, some of mm-hmm. them have the availability to bring us in. Some of them don't. Some of them have done Series A that have, you know, significant capital behind them in terms of for marketing budget and putting them out there. But, you know, again, it's It's a very flexible opportunity that we have in terms of, hey, where are you at? Do you have the money? If not, okay, maybe we can figure something out to work with you. Uh, And for us, that's really important because we want to, you know, highlight these ideas and these innovations and not keep them on the shelves because capital got in the way. We want to, you know, we have our own separate fund set up called Start 100. So listeners can go to start100.com and apply and we're, you know, giving, um, you know, through deals about $50,000 per, you know, per opportunity for them to help with the engineering or the marketing, or to bring their product to market using crowdfunding as a litmus test for it. Um, so there's a ton of opportunities out there, at least internally that we've built to be able to really bring these innovations to market. And if money gets in the way, we figure out a way to make it work.
0: Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, we are running out of time but um I, I really wanted us to touch um upon the transition um from from a, from crowdfunding to to a full fledged brand how from your experience the the best in class of um you know of of uh, i call them you know g- g- the be graduates, you know um graduating from um you know crowdfunding to um, to, to a full fledged, successful, you know, DTC company. Um, what is the formula, if there's any, of, um, that smooth transition? Because a lot of Kickstarter campaigns fail, um, from a deliverability standpoint. How do you int- int- minimize failure? Um, by, I don't know, um, well, how do you minimize failure and, and how do you, you know, transition to becoming that full fledged brand? And would you tap into, um, crowdfunding again um as a cycle to continue to grow the brand
2: absolutely yes, i mean it's yeah at the at the end of the day it really does come down to quite a few things i mean the the product being the first thing right why did you make it who is this for what are the benefits of it you know do did you solve a problem that's the the product right did you get protection for it did you get a patent you know, did you go down that route and make sure that your innovation is protected now from the future or hopefully from, you know, the, the folks that are looking at Kickstarter to, to rip off product ideas? You know, and Fidget Cube mm-hmm. is probably the number one case study for that. Uh, and then, you know, really, was there the paid budget, the promotion there? Were you able to bring in the right audiences for that? Did the price work? Uh, and then how did you nurture those people? You know, how did you communicate with that crowd that you built? How did you continually engage those folks in terms of, hey, it's delayed or hey, it's getting made or hey, it's shipped. Hey, we're thinking of launching another campaign. Here's the products ideas, you know, really involving that crowd because they want to be involved. That's why they're on Kickstarter. It's a community. Embrace that. You know, really, it gives you a chance as a founder and entrepreneur to have a one on one discussion with someone that's buying your thing without even sight unseen. You know, they can't even touch it, play with it, have an experience with it. Um, So, looking at those sorts of things, really understanding who that crowd is. And maybe it's just a hundred people, maybe it's a thousand people, but that's a great place to start as an e commerce brand, having a foundation to then build off of, of different verticals or paths to go down with future products and future rollouts, So constant communication with your community is critical to the overall success of your brand after a crowdfunding campaign is completed. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough because many times founders just go off And start making their thing and they're not even updating their crowd so typically we want our you know our founders to update their crowd their community at least once per month while they're in the development stages or the shipping stages or whatever it may be kickstarter's backend allows you to continue to update your audience and all of your backers as often as you want in terms of giving them updates on there so really again setting a solid foundation and building off of that can make successful you know direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands continue to grow And then off of that, yes, most of our campaigns continually relaunch new products on Kickstarter because that's where their crowd is most comfortable converting, right? So their credit card isn't necessarily on there. It may be on there, but they already have an account, they're already signed up, and they like backing innovations and seeing the progress that it comes through there. So fish where the fish are, your fish, your crowd is on Kickstarter. So go back to that, that well, that pond, and fish there for the new innovation because likely they've been involved the entire time when you've been asking them for feedback of new products to launch, you were doing that through Kickstarter. So they have that habit now of going back to Kickstarter, getting an update. Oh, you're about to launch. Cool. You know, I'm an early adopter. I'm a early backer of this other campaign. You're going to give me the benefit in the early bird discount when that new innovation launches, because I had a say in it. And because I had a say in it likely I'm more likely to convert in it than just something I'm seeing cold for the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm seeing that there's this brand called Lark. L A um, R Q. Lark Pitcher.
2: Yeah, we're working on that campaign.
0: Are you serious? We, we we whoa! It was fully funded in three minutes.
2: They've uh they've run previous campaigns, right? So they already had a crowd. Exactly. You know, it's Apple, right. It's, so yeah. like they were engaged. They did the right sequences in terms of hey. When we launched our first campaign, great. Thanks for backing it. What else do you want? Oh, you're tired of that ugly Brita filter in your, you know, in your, uh-huh. uh, in your fridge. Cool. Well, we we're going to reinvent that too. Like, thanks for your feedback here. We're about to launch. This is almost done. Um, and they're going to be on Shark Tank this year as well.
0: Wow. You, you haven't done yourself sufficient justice in introducing, you know, yourself in the sense that, um, you know, your client portfolio, as in, I didn't realize you were behind lock.
2: Yeah, so we're, you know, the the advertising team behind most big campaigns, most million dollar campaigns. I think we've worked on 85 separate million dollar projects now. (laughs) Um, So, you know, after raising $300 million for our clients, I think this season we'll end up having our 24th or 25th client on Shark Tank now. Uh, It's just really fun nurturing these startups and guiding them through to make sure they don't make mistakes that other founders may have made years and years ago. We're able to guide them, you know, much more cost effectively into the future in terms Mm -hmm. of what that roadmap looks like and helping them with that roadmap in terms of launching more and more innovations to their community.
0: Okay, so after this call, I would definitely um, reach out to you to to give me a list of your biggest campaign, so I can put it in the show notes. Because um, yeah, we haven't done you sufficient justice in terms of like the campaigns you're behind. You know, it's it's insane. You're behind. Like, LAC was fully funded in three minutes, and their goal was like thirty something grand, I think, and um, they they no fifty grand. Um, the, 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 goal was about $38,000 um, pounds, which should have been $50,000 yep. and they raised 500,000 pounds, which would be about $700,000, you know, um, and it's, it's going strong. And if you are, you know, behind it, you're certainly doing, you know, wonders, you know, um, with, with a lot of other campaigns, um, there's another I...
2: active campaign as well that you'll be even more impressed with, um, that we're doing some, uh, promotion for as well called Mizen. Um, so they, they launched basically a, a, a stove top like crock pot type thing uh, product. I'm not even doing it justice, but that raised, I think over a million dollars on launch day because of the crowd that's been behind all of the knife campaigns that we've worked on as well for Omar right. and his team over at Mizen. Um, so again, I mean, there's, there's, I could go on and on for days of all of the different products that we get to work on, but you know, we're actively doing marketing for anywhere between, you know, 40 to 60 crowdfunding innovations that are, you know, trying to find their crowd, trying to find their community.
0: Incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, What are your thoughts on um, SMS? Um, Do you think it's going to be the next big thing? Or do you think, um, you know, brand should focus on email?
2: Uh, I like both. Uh, Email is still amazing. Uh, You know, so we're actually one of the only us-based MailChimp certified agencies. So all of my email marketing team has been certified by MailChimp, um, which is amazing because, you know, they do their due diligence and they're, they're a massive, you know, email marketer, uh, in the world. So, you know, we take email very seriously. We, we operate, you know, millions of email addresses and we're sending out millions of emails every single week. Um, so I do love email, but you know, SMS is very interesting because your phone number is tied to your identity. Like you don't lose your phone number. Usually Mm -hmm. you don't change phone numbers unless you're moving to a different country or something like that. And you need to, Uh, and every social account is tied to that phone number. So Mm -hmm. phones are tied to us where, you know, the, the social dilemma on Netflix, right? I mean, it's just, that's our identity. So being able to reach a customer in their pocket and, you know, reward them for the ding, you know, be like, Oh, what's this, what's this, what's that? You know, our anxiety levels are so high these days. So, Oh, it's great. I got, you know, somebody just texted me about this cool product that's launching. Let me check it out. So yes, we're using SMS a lot more than we used to. Um, we're also using like push notifications through Chrome and the browsers, um, which are working incredibly well now as well. Um, folks are signing up for those on the regular. So we're seeing increased engagement on that side as well.
0: What are your thoughts on WhatsApp and messenger?
2: Yeah, big fan of bots and automation. Um, you know, WhatsApp to be able to reach a global audience. Uh, you know, we're 75% of the Kickstarter audience is typically based in the United States, major metro, you know, on the coastline kind of things. Um, so, certainly, you know, reaching those audiences is critical. But, you know, on the international side, there are certainly hot spots of early adopters around the world that we're trying to reach, whether it be through advertising or messaging. Um, but it's, it's a little bit different in terms of, you know, how we engage on each platform. But both, you know, I'm a big fan of ManyChat, you know, been to their conferences, you know, every year that they've had those. And it's just amazing the overall growth of the messaging community as well as using it as a customer service tool you know it's really amazing the automations that you can put into that and really just engage the audience at the right time about shipping updates or customer service inquiries or you know there, there has to be a human at the end of it but you know i think the automation side of things and bots can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you and then that final handoff of no i just i really just want to talk to a person and then you can you know hand it off you know nice and succinctly
0: Right, right, right. Roy. I could go on all day, you know, with you, this, this is really interesting and I might just invite you on, um, for, for another show at some point in the future. Um, but before I let you go, what are your top three Kickstarter campaigns of all time you've been involved in?
2: Oh, that's tough. That's like picking your favorite child. Um, <laughs> you just don't do that. Right. Um, I'll tell you my, my favorite campaign of all time, um, okay. is a product called bunch of balloons. Okay. Um, so Josh Malone, an inventor down in Texas, uh, came to us with the idea of, you know, he had eight children, uh, which I, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. He had eight kids. Anyway, he would sit out there and tie water balloons all day and he wouldn't get to play with his kids. So he came up with the invention of a bunch of balloons, basically, where these water balloons were pre-tied and they automatically fell off where you could just, boom, have 35 water balloons like that. You just tie it on to the end of the spectrum. Um I brought a prop. Okay. Um, so this, this was the original uh, bunch of balloons. You My know, son has that. Packaging. Yeah. You know, his son was on the cover. You know, you probably can't right. see it. But this is like the original packaging, you know, word art. Like, I think yeah. these were grapes and they made them look like balloons.
0: All right. But again,
2: he came to us with this invention and said, Roy, I think, you know, this is a great invention. I was like, absolutely. I wish I had that when I was a kid.
0: You, you screw it to the top and then the water exactly. just comes. And then they start doing water bombs. And they just destroy a guardian with it. Is <laughs> the so One the of the, you know, everywhere.
2: so yeah so we launched his campaign i think back in 2013 Mm -hmm. uh we were the first you know that was the first campaign ever on national television so we got him on the today show and he had a water balloon fight with carson daly in rockefeller center Mm -hmm. um neither of them hit each other with water balloons to make even better tv but it was just you know the first kickstarter campaign on tv you know and that brought in i think a quarter of a million dollars just from that show segment Mm -hmm. um it went on to raise just under a million dollars some of the feedback that we got during the campaign was, oh, you need to make sure those balloons are biodegradable because mm-hmm. I don't want to go around my yard picking up all of those things. Exactly. Make sure they. So we were able to, you know, pivot, and the company was able to, you know, change the engineering of the balloons itself. So the campaign ends. He was able. Josh was then able to do a licensing deal with one of the largest toy manufacturers and overseas, Zuru, where they took on all of the manufacturing for it. And I think last year they've shipped over two billion water balloons uh, just, you know, in that year. Um, so it's amazing to see that innovation, you know, come all the way through in terms of now just being, you know, a staple for summertime fun. Now,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I like to. You. Um, we didn't even talk about um, how to attract the press. You know, how how do you attract, you know, um, you know, the press to a campaign? Um, what what do, do you mind just sharing really quickly any tips on there?
2: Yeah, so I mean, given that we've been in the industry longer than any other marketing agency, we've built relationships (laughs) with journalists that were writing about this as a side gig, you know, it's just crowdfunding. Oh, what's that? Okay. There's some cool innovations there. I'll write about it once a week. And now many of these journalists, this is their full-time thing where they're writing about new innovations every day, because there's hundreds of new products that are launching every day and thousands of new innovations every week. Um, So relationships are paramount you know in journalism right it's you know making sure that your pitch is done correctly in their tone in their voice or things that they typically write about you know I can't emphasize again doing your research now because back when we started doing this there wasn't you know there wasn't a foundation to build off of you were just more or less randomly pitching folks that were writing about innovations or tech or fashion or kitchen gadgets whatever it may be but now you understand who those authors are. They've been writing about it for years. It's much easier to find them, engage with them. But really, it begins with the relationship. So adding as much value to that relationship as you can early on before going in for the ask, you know, the Gary, the Gary V. you know, jab, 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 jab right? Jab, hook, right? Jab. right Where it's going in that way and being like, give, 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 give. And like, hey, I know I've been a big fan of this community, this crowd, this the articles that you write. Here's this thing that I've finally been working on. I'd love your feedback on it. And really just going in that angle seems to work. But as well as just, you know, interviewing this new founder uh, always can work, you know, because Mm -hmm. usually this is the first time they're coming out in the public with their idea or their innovation. So likely they can do founder spotlights or the innovation itself. But it's, it's incredibly difficult to pitch a product that doesn't exist. And there's no prototype for a journalist to even look at or see, you know, so they're just talking about potentially random stuff and it's it's much more difficult in terms of the PR folks out there writing about these things or at least pitching about these things to get significant coverage for it. Um, but at the end of the day, PR typically doesn't drive conversions, at least tracked revenue from the resources itself. That may be 5 to 10% of the overall campaign funding. But what it does do is adds trust statements and signals to the backers when you see as featured in Time or Entrepreneur or Inc or whatever it may be, oh, they wrote about it. It must be as advertised. Exactly. Exactly. So it adds to the overall credibility of the founder delivering the product and of the innovation itself, hopefully coming to market as advertised.
0: Okay. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. This this has been a very, very um, interesting conversation, Roy, um, and it could go on forever. Um, So for listeners that want to find out more about crowdfunding, about not just crowdfunding, but product development through to crowdfunding, through to post-crowdfunding and e-commerce, your website is eventsispartners.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. It's E-N-V-E-N-T-Y-S-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S. I'll link to it in in the show notes.com. Um is there any are you active on any social media um ch- channels or um or how how best can people so follow you and your work
2: well, after watching the social dilemma, I just deleted everything. You know, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I've got to be on the uh, the social channels these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can find me pretty much. I'm the only Roy Morjon out there on the on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can find me on my podcast, Art of the Kickstart, where I interview other founders uh, okay. that are actually launching innovations and in Kickstarter products. Uh, and then you know anywhere else on the internet and social media, I'm out there with just my name, Roy R O Y, last name Morjon M O. R e j o n.
0: Okay, art of the kickstart. I, I would link to that also to to the um, to in in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Roy. It's it's been a pleasure having you. And uh, cheers. Thanks. Bye.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it.